Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fraud Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And this is our first episode back, John. First one back since we did the big move. Yeah. The Great Migration. Yeah. I'm still tired. It's been like five days. <laughs> Why is moving so involved? Why has it got to be so friggin' hard? Why can't we just instantaneously transport all of our belongings from one location to the other? Why can't I blink dash with my everything to the new house and just be in it? I mean, I, I would be out of a job if that were the case. What if I just threw all my stuff in a big old tube like at a bank and then I tubed it all to the new place? I feel like that's still involved. I feel like that doesn't solve a lot of the problem. John, I feel like you're wrong. I feel like it solves every problem, except that it's terribly inefficient transport system and can only move one or two people at a time. But that didn't stop Elon Musk. Anyway, moving on. We are back. Um, and we are recording from our new spaces for the first time. And John, I don't know what your space is looking like over there, but mine is, uh, is bigger, it's brighter, but it's a touch empty. Uh, so if the audio still needs a little bit of mixing, we apologize. We're going to have to do some work on it. I'm going to have to hang up pictures and stuff to make sure everything gets good. And I'm sure John's in a in a similar boat. Very, very much so. I went from a like four foot by five foot space, maybe, to a whole room. So big, big upgrade. I got a lot of stuff I can need to put in here. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to come with time. And we will uh, we'll tune the audio settings in, but Seth is a wizard. So hopefully by the time it gets to y'all, it's not so bad. But yeah. uh, what, Whatever pain you're feeling, Seth is feeling it much more. He's, uh, he's going to hate us by the end of this episode. I can almost guarantee it. Hates us already. Beat him to yes. it. <laughs> but uh, for those of you guys who uh, haven't been with us through the past few episodes, we've been moving. We moved into uh, our first houses. And uh, because we're unlucky madmen, we ended up doing it at the same time. So for the podcast kept going. Y'all didn't miss anything on your end. Uh, we had some backlog episodes that we bulk prepared so that we would have a little bit of time to do what we need to do. And uh, with that has come a hobby hiatus of sorts. Uh, not because of some big grandstand against Games Workshop or anything like that, but Largely out of practicality, because, you know, it's it's hard to hobby when everything's in boxes. And not just your hobby stuff, I mean your everything is in boxes. Um, so we've, we gave ourselves a little bit of a break, not just from the podcast, but from hobbying, so that we can do what we gotta do to get moved in and get unpacked. And it's done. And John, it's first time in a few weeks. Well, let's talk about hobby time and games played. So, John, I feel like this is normally where I say, well, what you been up to, bud? Uh, but I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. But allow me to ask, what you been up to, bud? Uh, moving. Yeah. Setting up a new hobby space. Mm -hmm. uh, reading. I've been doing a lot of reading. Uh, oddly enough, not really wargaming related, but it's within the gaming sphere. I've been doing a lot of like deep lore dives into Eberron. 
Oh, D and D. Yeah, like I've uh, I haven't haven't ran a D and D game in what feels like forever. I haven't like played like classic kind of D and D like with a setting in a long time either. And I'm starting to feel that itch again. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm moving to a new place. Maybe I just want something comfortable. But uh, yeah, I'm I've been looking back into doing D and D five e. Uh, I'm a huge fan of 5e. I played a bunch of it. Before that, I played 3.5. Before that, I played 3rd edition. So, I've just been digging into things and just kind of re-remembering all the stuff about Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reading some of the reveals through from, like, the Goonhammer site about, like, the new Auric Warclans book. Haven't gotten around to Stormcast yet. Waiting patiently for something to happen in 40k that is associated with one of my armies, that isn't the Space Marines. I'm slowly working on in the back burner. Yeah, 40k is a really quiet space right now. It, it's going to be quiet for the rest of the year uh, if their timeline is anything to show. But maybe tomorrow, because we're recording this on the Tuesday before the Gen Con reveals, maybe the Gen Con reveals will knock our socks off. I mean, the 40k Gen Con reveal is a Black Templar model. Like it's. It, it's just going to be a model for the thing we already know about. Oh, don't you do this to me. I want to hope that it's world eaters. John, I want you to look at that silhouette. Just just take a gander. I know that's not world eaters. I'm hoping that they surprise me with something else. Like, I don't know, announce that January of next year, they're going to be like, oh, we dropped a world eaters army specifically for Mr. Uh... I don't think that's going to be the case, but I'm going to cross my fingers for you. I'm sending out my good wuju your way. I don't think you're going to get it, but I'm sending it anyway. So, I mean, obviously you're in the new hobby space. How how has that been? Sort of like unpacking into there from your tiny little hole that you lived in before. It's been easier to unpack. It was harder to get it out and into the new space. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now that it's in, it's much easier to just kind of spread it around. Uh, very excited, but now comes the arduous task of buying things and measuring and making it all fit. I have big plans for the future involving my hobby space. I'll be getting an airbrush to speed up my painting Ooh. so I can produce more painted models. I'm going to get a 3D printer, so I'm going to start 3D printing stuff. I'll be able to have a table so I can put a, you know, I can put up a table, work on terrain. There's lots of storage space and workspace in here, so I can do a ton of things. Um, I just need to get to that point. I gotta buy the furniture and get the tools to get the things. Mm-hmm. It's gonna just take time, and it's not something that I can just go out and do in a weekend. Like It's gonna take months. But what I will get for it is a very good space, and hopefully more stuff that I can share with you all, and hopefully more stuff that I can show off. Uh, I'd love to be able to, like, I don't know, finish painting more models and start showing them off and not feel like they look like poop. What about you, Joe? How's uh, your space, new space? Uh, my hobby space. Unpacking, not so bad, if I'm being honest. Um, once it was all here, I just sort of threw it back around. And I've got more closet space here to store stuff than I did at the previous place. So that's actually nice. And before I left, I sold some armies. Which also meant I had less to bring over. Which is pretty cool. However, the thing... That is just a a touch weird is that I still haven't sort of got it paint ready. I've got the stuff up here. 
but I haven't got it fully unpacked yet. Like the airbrush is still in the basement with the 3D printer and I got to bring that up and hook it up. I'm still going to hang art on the walls. Haven't had time to do that. We've been focusing on the rest of the house in, in the meantime. But I think in getting stuff in here, the hardest part was moving the models. Man, that kind of sucked. Not going to lie. Um, magnetizing as much as I could really helped some of it, but it didn't work for everything. And uh, it, it was kind of stressful. I was worried some stuff was going to get broken. But to the best of my knowledge, everything survived the move. I haven't found like broken models or anything yet. So I, I think I pulled it off. It was just a little nerving, a little nerve-wracking. That's how I'd put it. Um, I will say, though, I'm about to start hobbying with a frenzy. I We've talked about it on the podcast before. I've got some buds around here locally who want to try out Crusade for the first time. Uh, it's a thing we've never been able to do before. Well, I should say we haven't done before because it was a, a sort of system of haves and have-nots as many things. Age, oh, not Age of Sigmar, but like Warhammer in general is. Uh, where like, if you didn't have a new codex, one, there was a difference in power, but two, you just didn't have bespoke crusade rules, which wouldn't feel great. So we all waited until most of us had a codex. And at this point, three out of the four of us have a codex and the fourth person doesn't really care to have bespoke crusade rules because that's just not how they function. Um, so with the new orc book, I am ready to start making my crusade force. And I'm very excited to throw down orcs. They are the goofiest, most fun army in the game. And I think I'm really going to enjoy playing them. However, John, that comes with a challenge. You see, there's a, there's a bit of a, bit of a logistical challenge here. Yeah, a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Got a little thing that needs to function a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe you uh, got a little struggle to deal with. Maybe some strife. Maybe some uh, adversity. Yeah, John. Yeah. Uh, as the kids would say, I'm hella wrecked by GW's release schedule. So I don't think that's what the kids say anymore. John, Jeff. you don't know what the children say. We're old. We don't know what they say. <laughs> oh my god, that's a whole other topic. How old I got in the matter of a day. Y'all, I just sit on my porch doing nothing now. I've never lived in a house before, so this is my first time. I just sit on the porch doing nothing. I'm ancient. I don't know what happened. Um, but that's a whole other thing. I get way too much joy out of going to Lowe's now. I got a weed whip. I was happier than a pig and shit. It was wild. Anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, the problem I have is that, obviously, this crusade thing has been planned for a while for people who've been listening. We've probably talked about this for about a month or more. Uh, I think we've actually been talking about it for a month and a half now. And pretty much as soon as we started talking about it, everybody was like, yeah, I'm going to start working on my fours. Uh, and everybody's like painting their stuff and building their stuff and really getting a head start. So they're like rip-roaring and ready to go. And I... Literally could not buy my Crusade Force until a few days ago. Um, they just weren't released yet. I didn't have a codex to even play with. Uh, my Force, uh, lore-wise, they're all like just one step above Savage Orcs trying to learn technology and go on their first wall. Uh, so I wanted all the Beast Snaggle Boys for my Force, just for the lore. And uh, yeah, you couldn't buy those. You couldn't buy those. So I ran out last night, and I picked them up yesterday, and now I have to have them ready ASAP. 
And that that by itself is a logistical quant, a sort of a quarry conundrum, conundrum. It's a logistical conundrum. However, uh, I'm looking around, sort of at my at my pals, and I'm like, hey, how 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 big's y'all's starting force? And uh, one of my friends is playing ultramarines, and they're like, yeah, I have like I think he has 15 models total, something like that, maybe less. Uh, I asked my buddy who's playing Sororitas, and he's like, yeah, I got like 10 to 15. And I asked my buddy Andrew, and he's like, oh, I have six. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then I look at my force, and I have 26 freaking models. That's for the start, John. That's very good. That's very nice. That's game one. I have to paint 26 models. Yeah, I have a hundred and forty painted cultists. Oh well, I know you. I know your pain. Yes, yeah. It's it, normally it's not so bad. I just do them in little batches of ten, but I got to do them faster than that. So uh, that airbrush that's uh, that's currently packed up, I, I'm gonna be unpacking that the moment we're done recording, and uh, my butt is diving into uh, getting these orcs ready. Uh, so I've been building. I built yesterday. I built today. Uh, before recording, we're recording now, and then I'm going to go back just after recording. Um, so, while I did have a nice, lovely hobby break, I, uh, I'm i hitting the books hard. Uh, I, I also, and you're going to record all of it with pictures and post those on Instagram so that our wonderful listeners can go to our Instagram and see your terrible work. Oh my god, the poor Instagram. I haven't given them an update in forever. I need to post yes. on the Instagram. A little explanation. I'm going to do that tonight. Um, yeah, I'll post it on Instagram so everybody can keep up with me uh, with my Orktober crusade. Ha uh, ha I see what you did there. I'm very punny. I'm a professional podcaster. Also, I have been looking into some other games. Uh, during my hobby hiatus, I, I didn't actually take a full hiatus from like miniature games and stuff because I, I can't. I just, I just like little plastic army men. I don't, I don't know what you want from me. However, I did look into some other systems, and I actually pulled the trigger on one. I uh, I bought myself a set for uh, a song of fire, uh, a song of ice and fire miniature war game. That I, yeah, that's it's a long name. It's a long name. Um, but essentially, it is a miniature war game based off of the famous Game of Thrones book series and TV show. And I, I don't know. I saw it at Gen Con a few years back. And uh, Cool Mini or Not makes great games, so I had no doubt that it was going to be awesome. But when I was walking around, they only had two factions. They had the Starks and the Lannisters, and, like, two factions isn't enough for any of my pals to also get in on it with me. You know what I mean? Like, normally when we play a game, we have, what, like, five or six people who want to get in on it? Yeah, yeah. Looking at you, Malifaux. Yep. You're next. And we all like to spread out in factions, so we're not all playing the same thing. Uh, But when there's only two factions, you really don't have a choice. Um, but the Miniature Maniac released a video a few days ago, essentially talking about how he has fallen in love with the game, and, uh, they have added a crap ton of factions from the last time I looked at it, and, um, I was so impressed, and the models look so good, and the rules seem so crisp that, uh, I just, I just pulled the trigger on a starter set, just did. It's just so cheap compared to the Warhammer that I'm used to. Like, I got a full army for 80 bucks. It's incredible. And I got to get Night's Watch, which are my 
favorite faction in the story as well, which makes me very excited. I, I will admit I'm a little giddy that I get to put Ghost and Jon Snow on the table. Just love it. And Master Amon gets to back up my dudes, which just makes me giddy as a schoolgirl because he's the real MVP of that series. So yeah, that'll also be coming soon. I think in between painting orcs, I will paint some Brothers of the Watch to uh, cleanse my palate of what I'm sure is going to be a mind-bending amount of orcs. So I got a lot of painting in my future, John. So much. Which actually leads to the topic of this episode. So John... With all this painting, it's all kind of crunched together. I mean, as I've mentioned, uh, I've got the crusade force that I need to get done, and I need to get it done as soon as possible so we can start the crusade, uh, which I will say feels very different than just painting normally. You know, painting under a deadline kind of changes the vibe. And I think it's something that many people have experienced. If, like, let's say you're going to a tournament, and you know the tournament is in two weeks, and you have to paint up your army before then. You know what the next two weeks entails for you. Like, there's, there's no question about what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to paint like crazy to get done. And you're going to have to... You're probably still, despite all that effort, going to slide it just under the radar. Just under the wire. And, like, maybe you have a game day schedule with your dudes, and you've been putting off painting for a month or two months and now you're looking at it coming in like three weeks and you're like ah i got so much to do oh god i got so many models to paint it's happened it's happened i think at some point or another we have all been to a point where we had to paint while crunched for time uh and because i was experiencing it we figured it might be worth having an episode on all its own so that we could try to give you all the tips that we have for Helping to make this process as easy as possible. Now, some of these are going to be a little obvious, but here's out. We'll talk through the ones that uh, seem obvious and maybe you find a little bit of details in there. I think for me, as I'm trying to think through, like, how am I going to get a 26 orcs painted fast? No, 27. Yeah, 27. How am I going to get 27 orcs painted? Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> and painted looking decent. And I think the answer for me, for a lot of it, is going to be keeping it simple. Keep it real simple. As much as you can, keep your color scheme simple. Because that's also going to make it repeatable. Now, I don't mean you necessarily ignore a bunch of details and that you leave a bunch of stuff blank or primed or whatever. Not at all. Not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that maybe you don't put five colors into one little detail. Yeah, maybe don't spend, uh, you know, an hour and a half per power sword in a Grey Knight's army yeah. if you need it done in two weeks. Pro probably not going to go well for you. Probably not going to go well for you. Uh, maybe if you're looking at a, a whole bunch of uh, Chaos Cultists, uh, don't go whole hog on doing four color workups on all the leather and the belts. Uh, you're, you're probably going to have a bad time. Probably, probably going to have a bad time. And a suggestion I have uh, in regards to this is kind of before you even sit down to make your paint scheme, 
separate it all by unit, and take like your bigger units and really look at them from five feet away. All right, and then base coat them, and then look at them again from five feet away, and go, man, so much of that is not going to be visible. Mm-hmm. So much of that is not going to matter. And then kind of use that to help inform the decisions you make going forward. That's what I do with my Skaven, right? I put like, what, a hundred clan routes on the table. No one cares if they're all individually perfect. Just got to make them look relatively cohesive as a unit and look like they're painted. Look like they're, you know, the metal is metal and the cloth is cloth and the rat fur is rat fur. You don't have to paint each individual eye with an eyeball on a Skaven. Yeah. Similarly, you don't have to do that with cultists. You don't have to do that with a hundred orc boys. You don't gotta do that with uh the two hundred guardsmen, like conscripts, you know. You can fudge a little bit with hordes. You can. You definitely can. And even on stuff that's not hordes, you don't need to necessarily go whole hog on every piece of that model. Uh so like let's say you go pull up a games workshop uh tutorial to paint anything. Absolutely anything. Pick a model. And watch them try to paint something like... We'll go with boots. They're going to paint boots. They're going to tell you that you have to use a dark brown on the boots. And then they're going to tell you to wash it. And then they're going to tell you to paint 95% of the boots again with the same brown that you just used, but avoiding the recesses. And then go over that brown with a slightly lighter brown over about 75% of the area, avoiding some of the recessed areas. And then they're going to tell you to come back with like a light tan and get just some of the like the big creases. And then they're going to tell you to come back with an even lighter tan, almost white, and get just across the tops of the creases. And before you know it, you just put five colors on boots. Okay? Five colors on boots. (laughs) And that's fine if you're trying to paint a couple of guys or if you're painting a lot of guys and you have all the time in the world or, you know, if you're painting one guy and going hog, totally cool. But if you're painting under a deadline, you, you don't have five colors on boots time. You, you just don't. Uh, you, look, you have to look at that and go, all right, what are the most important parts of those of that like color scheme that makes the boots pop? Okay, one, they have to be a different color brown than most other things. And two, you want to kind of darken them down to give them a little bit of life. Okay, cool. Maybe I skip a bunch of those wash-ups. Maybe I'm just going to hit it with a brown, I'm going to wash it, and then I'm going to hit it with a dry brush. Boom. Yep. All of them. Every one. That's what I'm doing. And I'm just going to dry brush the tops of the boots. Not even all all the boot, just the tops. So you could see a little bit of light up on the top of the foot, like it's coming down from the sky. It's darker in the recesses, uh, and it still looks like a brown color all around. Cool. Bam. Great. Uh, you've just taken that from like five or six colors down to three. One is a wash. Um, and also, you're doing faster techniques. Uh, if you were going to take a very thin brush and you are going to paint out every crease of the boot... You can do it, but it's going to take a lot of time. You're going to have to look at every one and get in there, get real close, steady your hand, and slowly but surely work through them all. Whereas with a dry brush, I mean, it is sort of a to whom it may concern tactic (laughs) where you're just kind of hitting the tops and you're going to keep on moving. 
You're not looking at it long. You're not spending a whole lot of time there. You're, I mean, you're maybe spending like five, ten seconds a model doing dry brush before you hop to the next one. And it's this sort of simplification and simplicity that keeps your uh, painting speed a little faster. And it's what you need when you're really under the gun. And you can do so without even sacrificing a bunch of quality. Yeah, I 100% agree. And like another tactic to use in a similar vein is take like a miniature, prime it in whatever color you want it to be, but a couple shades lighter. Like say we're going to go with like a Night Lord's blue, right? Like a dark blue Night Lord's armor. Mm -hmm. Maybe prime it a lighter blue, like a couple shades lighter. And then go over it with a like a dark blue wash or like a dark blue contrast, and allow that to create some definition. That you know you're gonna see the the prime the primer come through with some darkening recesses, and then from that, just using contrast as a wash or like a dark blue wash. From that, once it's dried, go back over with the dry brush to hit the spots where the light's gonna hit, mm -hmm. and boom. Like, that's that's something you don't even need an airbrush for, and it will speed up your painting. Is it going to look Golden Demon? No. Is it going to look like you did it meticulously and edge highlighted every little thing? No. But will it look painted on the table and better than gray plastic? Yeah. And will I argue it even still look good? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. There's no doubt. Um, I think when a lot of people hear speed painting, they think it they immediately picture like garbage three splashes of color on a model put on a table y'all it don't have to be that way <laughs> it's uh yeah i don't think what you're sacrificing here is a bunch of quality i think what you're largely sacrificing is like the effort that you're going to have to put into efficiency um yeah it's it's prioritizing what do you think is the most important part of a model like, uh, if you, you have a big monster, right? And that big monster has like a weapon or like has a focal point on the model. Maybe put all of your effort into that and not all of the effort into individual strands of its sinew and its muscle. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Or like, let's say you're painting a bunch of Stormcast Eternals. You've got to paint a, you got to paint like 15 liberators for your army. Maybe just don't paint behind their shields. Yeah. Like, no one's going to see that. Nobody is going to see that. Maybe maybe just prime them in Retributor Gold and then go over it with a Rickman Flesh Aid. Like, and then hit some blue, hit some white, hit some, like, metal parts with some metal parts. And you're good. Call it a day. Maybe dry, maybe dry brush a little bit of, like, lighter shade a gold silver? on there after you yeah, yeah, just a little touch of silver. Yeah, that's the ticket. Um... It's just, you know, you're giving up all of this effort that you would put to getting to spaces that no one's going to see anyway, and it's fine. And the best part is a lot of these techniques work for creating a base level quality for a model that you can revisit later. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying strip it and start from fresh. I'm saying you can come back to this and apply more techniques, apply more like levels of skill onto these models after you've hit your deadline and gone to the event gone to the tournament and you come back and you're like man i kind of want to try out some you know some object source lighting on these on these space marine plasma guns well you can do that now you just whip out the you got time. go to town or like let's take the boots example from before you did a quick dry brush cool now that you're at past the tournament pull out your smallest brush 
and get out a li slightly lighter shade of brown and start picking out those like little creases in the boots. Nope, you didn't have to paint over, like you didn't have to reprime anything. You're just picking up where you left off. You're essentially picking up that more detailed method because you want to. Uh, so it's not like you lost effort in what you did, which I think is key to realize. And techniques aside, none of that really matters if you can't stay focused, if you can't get it done, you know, if you get unmotivated, if you, if you get distracted, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I am an easily distracted person. Like that is, I, I have little tactics to keep myself focused. I am easily, I can get easily distracted from a task I am working on. So I, I work in batches, right? I work in batches while watching a show or listening to a podcast or like maybe like talking to some friends. And I will work in, in blocks of maybe five space marines or 20 clan rats. And I will make that decision of how many I'm working on at a time based off of, well, what is my attention span like right now? And how much effort is each of these going to go into step by step? Or have I decided today is blue day where I'm painting all of the blue armor for all of the dudes. Say I have like a 50 model space marine army to paint. Maybe I've primed them and I'm ready and I need to get a base coat of blue on everybody. Maybe I just spend the whole night base coating blue. And then I break it up into, okay, well this squad I'm going to do their gold on, this squad next day, this squad next day. Then go back to browns and then browns and then browns. Mm-hmm. Like, or create an organized plan on a piece of paper, maybe a cork board that you keep off your desk, maybe a, a document you keep on your computer, mm -hmm. and keep that organized for how you want to do it. You know, you got two weeks. Okay, we'll plan out two hours on this night, this night, this night, and this night. I'm going to do this step, this step, this step. Yeah. I mean, John, you're right where my head was at. Um, yeah, I had two pieces left, and they were kind of logistical advice, and this is the first one right on the money. Uh, you know your schedule best and you know how much time you have. And whatever that is, whatever you have to work with, write out a schedule that one, is realistic and two, you will stick to. Um, just so you have a plan in your head of when, when you're doing this. Because I found for me that is immensely helpful to know like, oh, Monday night I'm spending this much time. I'm roughly going to start on, you know, the Zenithal and the base coats. And then Tuesday night, okay, I'm going to finish the base coats and then I'm going to move on to, you know, starting to do the washes. And then Wednesday night I'm going to move on to start doing some dry brushing, you know, whatever that is. Um, but you have something to work on and to keep yourself accountable with. And it'll also let you know if you're maybe a little ahead of schedule or a little behind schedule. So, you know, if you notice, man, I'm kind of knocking it out of the park here. If you want to add in, uh, you know, something a little more detailed, you can because you know you got the time. Whereas if you know you're behind, you won't even consider that because you just know I, I can't. I can't. And I think that's incredibly helpful. And uh, it's a key to success. And I think for me, my like... My last one that I think is kind of like the biggest point, the one that I have tried and learned through trial and error to do is to, uh, so as the stuff we talked about earlier is kind of like paint philosophy, you know, 
how to how to ponder a scheme, how to ponder painting these minis, <laughs> how to approach looking at them. Are you laughing I'm at just, me? I am laughing at you. I am. I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what he's laughing about, but I'm gonna. You turn. My name. My name is Joseph, and this is my seminar on Nietzsche's painting techniques. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm blending philosophy and, like, Warhammer miniatures painting together as, like, what if it was a class, and it's very funny in my head. Well, you're blending those. I'm blending sick colors, John. You know. Blending sweet sweet colors, huh? Mm -hmm, Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As I was saying before I was rudely interrupted. Um, it's the only thing I'm good for. Like all the stuff we were talking about earlier is kind of like how to think about minis and how to approach it in this context and sort of how to think about the paint so you can figure out a scheme. But my biggest piece of advice that I cannot recommend enough because I have failed to do this before is figure out your paint scheme before you start. Oh, it will save you so much time. If you take one model, you set it down, and you paint that one model to completion, and you figure out your scheme, you write it down in a little... I have a little notebook on my paint desk I write my schemes down in. You can put it in your phone, you can put it on your computer, whatever. But wherever works for you, figure that scheme out and write it down. So that way... You know exactly what you're doing step by step by step and in which order and with which colors. Because nothing will eat up your time faster than getting to a piece and going, uh, I don't know what color I want this robe to be. Do I want it kind of like a a light red? Do I want a darker red? Am I going somewhere in the middle? Am I highlighting it with a pink? Like if I change that color, what does it do to my other stuff? Like those thoughts and that sort of internal monologue will eat your time away. Ask me how I know. How do you know, Joe? Well, it's because I've done it, John. Uh, So You don't say. The man who has painted three separate chapters of Space Marines, the same Space Marines have been painted in three separate colors. Shut up, John. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I I get what you're saying. And I think that there's there's another aspect to this, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm going to use an example from Skaven, right? All of my rats look roughly the same. There's a little bit of differentiation between some of the fur. Um, They're all roughly the same. I have a base level I paint with, right, for a clan rat. And then I have a next level up that I paint for a little bit more detailed, like like maybe Storm Vermin. And then I have a next level up that I paint for, like, heroes, right? But they all still use that fundamental core base, and then they build off each other going up. And I'll use more detailed techniques for the more important models, for lack of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I'll use Space Marines as another example. If I paint Ultramarines, right, an Ultramarine squad, the normal blue, gold, and was it white? Uh, blue, gold, white, yeah. Blue, gold, white. And then I paint a lieutenant. Or maybe a Terminator squad. I add a little bit more to the details. Maybe I do a little bit more dry brushing. Maybe I do a little bit more on their power weapons. Right? And then I get to the the HQ. I get to the captain. Right? Well, I've already done all that work through batch painting. Because I just added him into the batch. As I did it for each of these things. And then I get to the end of the project. And all I have left is like maybe two or three characters that he painted. 
And oh no, all I have to do is these more advanced techniques. And if I've been going fast by the end of it, I've got plenty of time to focus on getting that right to make it look really top notch because I've gotten my base level stuff done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's invaluable as you go to expand going forward. And when you're under the gun for an event, it will stop all of your hemming and hawing and just keep you moving. Like, you're not thinking about anything. You're just kind of like, all right, got my music, vibe in, knock it out. And, like, you will just run through these batches because you already know the plan. You don't have to think about the plan. plan's right there in front of you. It's written down on a piece of paper. You're, you, I, personally even, I will take every paint out and I line it up on my paint desk in order. And I will just, like, I'm done with one throw it back in the paint container, grab the next one, and I just, I keep working. So I don't even have to look at the paper most of the time. Just, I know what's next. And yeah. if you're really trying to maximize uh, your sort of like models painted per hour, it, that will help you to get to your event at time. And but it's just uh, so, so good. I have... I have one that I think that everyone should start thinking about now, even if they're not in a crunch. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a crunch, it might be a bit too late. You might have to go with these other tips. If you aren't in a crunch, I suggest you start this next tip now. Start thinking about these things. Adding these techniques to your toolkit. You know, we spend so much money on new paints or these new tools or all these things for doing the hobby. We also need to put a lot of focus into getting techniques for different times you know there will be a time where you're going to need to crunch unless you just purely paint for fun don't play that very often but maybe you have a limited time schedule maybe your life's busy you still want to feel like you're getting progress in your hobby and you want to finish models but you, and you can't spend four hours on them a night maybe you have to drop it down to two and you got to make you know, as many models come out in two hours well Time to start picking up these techniques that maybe you practiced six months ago. Mm -hmm. You know, start doing that now. Pick some. I mean, maybe you've always wanted to see what a squad of guardsmen look like painted up. Well, buy a squad of guardsmen and don't get super detailed on them. Paint them real fast. See how fast you can go. Mm -hmm. Put them down to, oh, that's neat. You know, just try it. Try to see how fast you can go with some of the stuff. And you will thank yourself later when you need to go fast when that crunch time begins. Because you, you practiced it before, and you know exactly how it's going to go. You don't got to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And it'll just broaden your horizons, your painting horizons. Which, for me, I think is always a good thing. Because, you know, you never know. You might find, inadvertently, a technique or a color combination that isn't just good for when you're in a pinch. It's just useful. And you will keep it forever. Um, similar thing happened to me. It's how I found my gold recipe that I came to love. It's because I was really trying to knock out some custodies for a kill team weekend. <laughs> and I, I found a paint scheme on YouTube that looked pretty good and actually was went pretty fast. And after I got done with them, I looked at them and they looked so good. That now that's just my default gold paint scheme. Just is. Um, and I will use them not just when I'm under the knife, but anytime. And uh, I would love for y'all out there to find something similar and add it to your repertoire. Because it's it's quite quite a day when you manage to pull it off. And if y'all have found something like that, maybe you uh, you have some super, super sick quick recipes. 
I'm about to paint 27 orcs in the blink of an eye and I could use them. So uh, feel free, <laughs> drop them below. Uh, comment section, we read them all. And uh, if you're not listening to us on YouTube, you're out on one of the other platforms, feel free to reach out to us on social media, send it our way. Um, we always love to talk to anybody and help you out. And if you need some more personal advice for how to meet a deadline that you got going on and you want our help, let us know. We'll try to help you figure out a paint scheme or whatever that works for you so that you can get your hobby uh, completed so your models can hit the table. And if you really want to go the extra mile, uh, give the podcast a rating or send it to a friend who might be struggling with an event. Uh, we're a real small podcast, so it is difficult to for the, the podcast to find new people. So anything you can do to spread it around, we immensely appreciate to feed the algorithm. And uh, now that we're moved in and we're settled, we're going to be back to recording and posting on the social media more often now that uh, our actual lives have settled down just a bit. And John and I are no longer just vaguely angry goblin transients shifting from apartment to apartment. Uh, now Maybe you're not. I am still feral. <laughs> well. Fair enough. But at least we can cram him into a room and we'll keep the content coming. Yes. <laughs> As I scream and throw things at the wall and drink four cups of coffee. Just drink them quietly so Seth doesn't have to edit out the mouth sounds. For now, that's been all of our opinion. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all next time.